Let us get going. Here we go. Today's daf is daf tzadi beis page ninety two. And the hidigim sechus babakam. We're on parak achayvel, and we're going to pick up from Amar Rav the two dots six lines from the bottom of tzadi aleph amud beis. We're going to have a fascinating sugya here that has to do with cutting down trees, and then we're going to enter the new mishnah on the top of of, of uh, today's daf, uh, which is going to be focused on mechila, on uh, asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness. So. Uh, really, uh, get ready for uh, an incredible, uh, really incredible daf ahead of us with some new insight, this new foundational ideas of how to live like a yid. So here we go. Six lines from the bottom. Amar Rav. Rav says, Dikla the ta'an kaba osir le miktisay. If you have a dikla, you have a palm tree that has a kav of dates, so you're not allowed to cut it down. It's interesting. You no, know, it's... Could, it could create that amount. It has that amount. It seems it could create. If a palm tree could create a kav measurement of dates, so you're not allowed to cut it down. It's still considered fruit. And if you cut it down, it's called baltashkis. It's, it's able to bear fruit. It's not considered dead yet. And it's baltashkis. It's wasting to cut down to cut down that tree. I just uh, forgot to mention before we started, today's learning should be as chus for Chana ben Miriam Bluma, Harris Brazina, our uh, wonderful friend who... Sometimes uh, joins us here on uh, DAF, either in person or on Zoom. He's having a procedure this morning, so our learning should be as chus, refuah shleim of Tim. Here we go. Mesu asks a challenging question. What about an olive tree? How much does that need to be able to produce in order to be allowed to cut it down? It has to be raiva, a quarter of a kav. So now the Gemara wants to, is clarifying that a, palm, a, a date, right, a, palm, a date palm tree, you need an entire kav measurement. Of produce, but by olive trees, it's only a quarter. Why? Shiny is asim dechashivi. Since they're chashiv, since they're more valuable, so it's still considered a productive tree, even with even with the productivity of a lesser amount. Now, Amar of Chenina leshachiv shivchas bri ella dekotstei nasa b'leizimna. My son Shichvas died because he would chop down the he, he chopped down these trees before its proper time and mida kenagimida measure for measure. You know, this tree still had time to produce and he cut it down young. And unfortunately, apparently, Rev. Hanina recognized that his son died at a young age because of this, uh, because of this uh, transgression. So, uh, obviously, when you cut down a tree, you're not high of miso. That's not what the Gemara is teaching us. But it's letting us know it is, uh, it is a transgression. And sometimes the Rebbein Shlalem takes, out, uh, t- takes things out strongly upon Sadiqim. And, and uh, you know, maybe their mishpachas, maybe his son Shivchas was also a tzaddik. But uh, be it as it may, going back to the original halacha, it seems that it's not necessarily the amount that it produces. It's more, it's not necessarily the amount that it produces, it's more what, it's more the value. So if I look at this tree and I say this tree could still give me value, that is still considered a productive tree. Amar Avina, Avina says, let's say the tree has very valuable, is very valuable in its essence. Mu'ulabadama means the trunk itself, the tree itself has value. And therefore, I want to cut it down for lumber. Now, does the tree grow berries? It does. Does it grow something? Yeah, but it's wood is much more valuable. Once the wood becomes more valuable than the fruit, it's not considered baltashkas, it's not considered wasting, it's not considered destructive. Because you're doing a constructive act because you're allowing the True value, the higher value of the tree to play out. Similarly, rak It says a tree that you know, only a tree that you know. 
Okay. Now, this is um, referring to a time when uh, this is a Pasuk Advarim. If Klal Yisrael ever has to wage war against another place, you're not allowed to go and indiscriminately burn things down. Other nations plunder and they just destroy whatever they could see. Incredible. You talk about the, the IDF needing to be careful in Gaza with, with lives. We're obligated to be careful with not wasting trees. Yeah? You're not allowed to just go and destroy a tree. Okay? Unless you know that it's a tree that does not give any produce. And you're going to use the trees for a constructive purpose that you're allowed to chop down. Clay, it's Michael who, Zet Elon Srok is referring to a barren tree. Uh, Srok really means it has sap. So, you know, as opposed to produce. It said, it said uh, you could chop down the tree if it only has sap. So why do you got to tell me it doesn't have fruit? To give, to give uh, precedent is the word. To give a precedent of shrak over a food tree. Which means if let's say you need wood to build something. In this Pusik it's when you're laying siege to a city. But we're going to say in general, in, the, in a Jewish life. So if I have a choice whether to chop down a tree that has limited fruit. Or I have a choice to chop down a tree that gives off nothing. Then ideally... You, you use the tree that gives off nothing. Even though if that other tree wouldn't be there, you could use the fruit-bearing tree again as long as the wood is more valuable than the fruit. Still, ideally, you might as well do something that doesn't cause any sort of damage. Top of today's daf. I would think this is true even if the food tree is more valuable. Okay? Which means not always. It's not, it's not, it's not always better. To chop down the fruit trees But it's a beautiful Gemara here Letting us know How to balance out Our uh, priorities And how to use our decision making abilities When making uh, When making various decisions Both with trees And with uh, Things that we're using For our personal benefit And you can apply this also To our To our uh, You know If somebody's an employer And uh, you have an opportunity To hire two people Right And one person has uh, as uh, this Milo, the person has has that Milo, yeah. So you have to take uh, one person might have a slightly higher Milo than another. Let's say you have an opportunity to give a job to a yid. Two people, two people uh, apply for jobs. One's one's part of the tribe and one's not. So there's a mitzvah specifically. You take care of your family first. It's logical. What if the uh, what if the non-Jew brings a little bit more value? What if he brings a little bit more value to the, to the company? But not much. So you, you need to weigh that out with the fact that you should prioritize your family member. You should, you should prioritize a yid. Right? So it says the Gemara. It's not absolute that just because something gives you more production does not mean that you choose that first. It's not absolute. There's times where you, you say, okay, this one has more problem. This one is a mitzvah to give a job to a yid. A mitzvah, a mitzvah to help out a, one of the family members. So these Gemaras, again, mold our minds in how to, uh, in, in how to uh, apply the various priorities. Shmuel, I say, Tamri Shmuel had a sharecropper. A sharecropper, a sharecropper is somebody who works your field for you and takes a percentage of the produce. That's generally how it works. So Shmuel, let's say, owns a land and he has a sharecropper. He says to the sharecropper, listen, you work my land, completely mine. 
But you're going to own 50% of production. I'm, I just own this thing. You run the business. So his sharecropper would bring him dates from his field. And one time he ate the dates and he tasted chamra, he tasted wine. Amar lei, my high. He said, why does it taste like wine? Amar lei, beni gufnei kaime. Because the date trees are surrounded by vineyards. Amar, he said, mechashe v'chamra kulei hai. Tomorrow, I see thee bring me their their sources, which means they're taking away from uh, they're taking away the nutrients from the uh, from the from the vineyard. Okay. Now, what do you see from here? What he what he means is how are you gonna, what do you mean take the nutrients? He's basically saying uproot the palm trees. Because grapes are more valuable than dates. And these dates are now tasting like grapes. That means they're removing value and nutrients from the grapes. You can mamish uproot the whole tree. Ah, you're not allowed to chop down a tree. You could because you're saving the grapes. Since for the benefit of the grapes, such a thing is allowed. Rav Chista saw young palm trees amongst the gefanim, amongst the, the vineyard. Amar Lee Larisi said, The sharecropper, Akrinu, remove them, Gufni, Kani, the Kali, Dikli, like Kani, Gufni. Because vineyards swallow up date trees as far as value. Now remember, date trees are, were considered valuable, considered very valuable, but still vineyards over, overrides that. But uh, date palms do not uh, ever out, uh, outvalue the vineyards. Bottom line is, the Gemara is walking away telling us that if you're not allowed to chop down a tree that produces more than a kav by uh, dates, more than a quarter kav by olives. And there's exceptions to this. It's not absolute. And some of the exceptions are if the wood is more valuable than the fruit, you'll let it chop it down for wood. If, let's say, this fruit tree is getting in the way of other, something else's value, there's no problem either. And again, what's the underlying factor? You just can't do an act that's destructive. We're not a, can't, aren't, we're not a destructive people. We're productive people. And therefore, if it's ultimately something that I'm doing to produce, it's mutter. If it's something I'm doing to destroy, it's not mutter. Let's take this into our interpersonal relationships, which is, if you ever have to give somebody musr, or you ever have to teach somebody a lesson, or go through something, you cannot do it in a way that it's destructive. It's also, it's baltashkas. Now let him do it. You're destroying something. If you're doing, sometimes you need to say something which could uh, make the person a little sensitive, but it's, it, ultimately it's constructive. It's saiser almanaz livnais. You're taking it down. Uh, you know, you're, you're breaking it down on condition to rebuild it. Um, and Rabbi Arlovsky was in town. He's, he quoted somebody who quote, uh, he quoted somebody who said, very good, that, you know, the altar of Slabodka who we'll call the, the father of the current yeshiva system. A lot of them, most of the yeshivas in today's world that you've heard of stem from Slabodka. Stem from a Nosen Sifinko, the Alter Slabodka. The Alter Slabodka was a master, uh, a master in Musr and a master of building people up. Master. But so I forgot who he quoted who said that nowadays we're half, our Chinuch system in general is half as good as the altar of Slavodkas. The altar of Slavodka was a master at dissecting people, breaking them down, and then rebuilding them into a much beautiful form. 
into godless, into greatness. Nowadays, we're half as good. We just break people down. And then we walk away. We're done. You know, that, that, that's, what, that's what most people know how to do. I know how to dissect you, judge you. Now that I told you you're wrong, I walk away. What are you going to do about building everybody back up? Patashkas. Patashkas if you don't do that. Yeah? It doesn't only apply to trees. All right, here we go. Zot the Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, we'll call it eight lines from the top of today's daf. All right. Incredible. Even once you make restitution, you are not forgiven unless you ask Mechila. So if I damage you, I need to pay damage, pain, medical bills, loss of work, embarrassment, but I'm not done. I need to ask you Mechila. They're about by Avi Melech. He had to return uh, Sarah to Avram. So he should have him for him. How do I know that if somebody asks me for forgiveness and I don't forgive, that I am called an achzar? I'm considered cruel. Somebody says, please forgive me. You're like, nope. Please forgive me. Nope. Please forgive me. Nope. You're an achzar. You're cruel. What are you gaining? You know what you're gaining? That this guy is not going to is taking up headspace in your brain mm-hmm. for the next while. You're only hurting yourself. Shinabai says, by spal of Ramah like him, Avram Davin, Avimelech asked him for Mechila, and he davin, Vir Belikim, Avimelech Vagaymer. And Akadish Baruch, who healed Avimelech. So the way of a Yid, the way of a Bnei Avram Yisrak and Yankiv is we forgive. Haimer, Simi Asini, Katas Yadishvaras Ragli. If somebody says to you, please blind me, please cut off my hand, please break my leg, Chai, if you're not allowed to do it. And if you do it, you have to pay. Amenas Liftar, if the guy says, please blind me, cut off my hand, cut, and break my leg, and you will not be obligated to pay, still chayev. You're still obligated. Now the question here is, why? The reason why, it's a strong question, is because anytime somebody owes me money financially, I can always forgive it. So why isn't this just called a forgiveness? Okay, so we'll see. And we'll see what Chayev means. Koras Ksusi, what if he says though, instead of hurting my body, he says, tear my shirt, Shabares Kadi, break my barrel. Then Chayev, I'm sorry, then also Chayev, you're obligated to pay. But if he says, I'm an Asliftar, if he says, you break my stuff, then Potter, Potter, you know, they have these rooms that, I forgot what they're called. Maybe somebody here knows. For people, it's supposed to be very therapeutic. They, you pay like $50 for a half hour and they put you in a room and they give you a sledgehammer and you just break everything in that room. They put a bunch of cheap items in the room, breakable stuff, and people just spend a half hour clapping and breaking and smashing and this and that. People go, mamish, it's, a, they get back. it's like, where, when else in your life you let it just knock, break down the walls and, and, and do it? And do whatever you want. I want to go. Look it up. Look it up. You can find it. Find it on. Uh, you can find it online, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't done it, but maybe we should go on a date. You know, we, we could. Uh, I should take my camp there. I should take my camp there. Take these zooms and just go break whatever you want. Gezinta height. Gezinta height. Let the kids loose. All right. So what are they saying? The question is: Afterwards, could they demand all the payment? No, because they told you to do it. So if you say hurt me, says the mission, you gotta pay. If you say break my property, gazinta hates, 
then potter. I'm not, I'm not obligated to pay. I say, if he says, do this to this guy and I'll pay for it. I'll tell you what, you go and hurt Beryl and I'll pay for it. It doesn't matter. The one who did it is Chayav bin Begufay bin Bimamayna. Whether you hurt Beryl's body, whether you hurt Beryl's property. Okay, here we go. Turn around the rabbis, don't say, we call Elisha Amr the Mei Our whole mission is talking only about um, embarrassment money. Okay? Embarrassment money. Sorry, when it comes to pain, I feel a heavy call Eli Nevaya Shabbat Even if he brought all Eli Nevaya Shabbat In other words, all the, these are considered very fancy rams as sacrifices. Because you want a mechila, incredible. The guy could be Michael you for his embarrassment, for his mental, uh, you know, uh, pain, emotional pain, we'll call it. But the Misa, yeah, until the guy's mom is Michael you, I'm sorry, he has to be completely be Michael you in order for you to be. Uh, if you were to be off the hook. Otherwise, you could bring all you could bring all the sacrifices in the base of Mikdash. If you didn't ask the guy Mechila, you don't have a clean, clean slate. Says the Gemara, Teishas Navi Boy Adure, Eishas Achar Loi Boy Adure. Says the Gemara like this. Um, it says in the Pasuk, return his wife, turn, return his wife, because he's a Navi. Turn his wife because he's a Navi. Again, what's this? What's the story? What we said in the Mishnah, Avimelech took Sarah, and Rabbi Shalom tells him, give her back. Why? Because her husband's a prophet. Says the Gemara. But you got to do it being a prophet. <laughs> what have to do with the other? Even if he's not a prophet. Return any man's wife. Says Abimelech Baruch I didn't know. I'll give her back. But he told me she's, her, she's his sister. I gotta ask Mechila? What I do wrong? Says Rabbi Shlaylam, Navi, who Avram is a Navi, who Kvarli made, and we already learned, Achsenoi Shabalir. If you have Achsenoi, Achsenoi are, are um, uh, guests, very often they were, somebody shows up to town. Sometimes they were visiting, you know, traveling soldiers of the king or whatever it was, but somebody shows up to your town, they walk into Shul. First time you see them, what are you going to ask them? What do you ask? What does it you do when you see somebody for the first time? You say, Shalom Aleichem, is there any way I could assist you? Do you know where the kosher food is locally? Do you need a place to eat? Do you need a place to sleep? Are you, are you arranged? Are, are you all set up? That's, that's what a yid does, right? But what happened to Avi Melech? When Avram showed up to town, what Avimelech asked him? He said, oh, who's that lady? Who's that lady? And Avram said, it's my sister. Says, Avimelech says, he said it's my sister. Avram says, of course she said, he said she's my sister. What was the first question you asked him? He's scared of you. You're Meshuggah. Shouldn't say you're Meshuggah. Avimelech, wasn't, uh, Avimelech also had, had righteousness. But it, it, it's the wrong type of question to ask. And therefore... And therefore, you asking, is she your wife or your sister? So, Avram Avinu, who was the epitome of how you welcome somebody in, 
came to realize that you had improper intentions. So he was nervous for himself. You're the king, he's nervous. He's nervous for his life. And therefore, you have no excuse to have taken her. And my time against you, Abimelech says, Rabbi is what you initially started out with. Your initial questioning and your initial, uh, your initial approach to your guests. See from over here that Avimelech was chay of Misa for doing something that was forbidden because he could have known better. The Rebbe Shalom says you should you're chay of Misa Avimelech. Avimelech says what I know. The Rebbe Shalom said you should have known better. You should have known better. It's not an excuse to uh, to uh, be ignorant when when you have the ability to learn. Ultimately, Avimelech came and asked Mechila from Avram Avinu and asked him to Davin. And Avram Davin. What are these two Atsiris? It says that he, he stopped. He stopped. What does this mean, stopped? So one of the, the punishments to the palace of Avimelech is that they couldn't relieve themselves. They were all plugged up. There was traffic jams inside their bodies. Okay, none of their uh, none of their hallowed uh, openings uh, allowed anything to come out. Okay, he wasn't able to remove any zera from his body, and for a woman, she wasn't able to remove any zera as well, as well as uh, the ability to give birth if she was pregnant. She wasn't able to have any children. It was two for a man. Urine as well. Also urine for a woman. To have a zera and urine as well as excrement. Yeah, we just add on the childbirth for the woman. So Abraham closed these all off from from Avimelech's household. Ba'ad kol rechem every. Opposite every womb. Every member of Abimelech's household, even the chickens. Anything that Abimelech owned, the chickens stopped laying eggs. Listen closely. We have to cover ground, but we have a, this, we'll, we'll see how much we can cover. This is an incredible daf. Don't forget this Gemara. Says Rabba, says Rabba to Rabba Marmari. How do I know? If I daven for somebody else, I will receive the salvation first. Eev daven for his friend, and Hashem gave Eev back what he daven for his friend. So if your friend needs something, health, Finances, shidduchim, children, you name it. You daven for somebody else, the Rebbein will take give it to you first. Omar you're learning out from the Amri have another verse, which means we have multiple sources for this. And then it says, Right afterwards, what happened? So remember, what, what was one of the pains of Avimelech's house? The women couldn't give birth. After Avram Davins for them, you know what happened? Hashem remembered Sarah after all these years. 
Hashem remembered Sarah, and she was able, she conceived, she was able to give birth, which means the same way Avram had spoken, had davened on behalf of Along with the hutzim, along with the thorns, sometimes the food here referring to cabbage gets punished. Okay? Now this is again, this is a new topic, but it's the same Amairam talking, and the Gemara very often will do this. Once we bring down a conversation that has to do with the Gemara between two sages, we'll go through a number of different conversations that these two sages uh, had. So he said to him, what's the source? Why do people say that whenever there's thorns, the cabbage will get hurt? Meaning, metaphorically, I think the word is, sometimes if if you're too close to something bad, you could get hurt with it. In this week's Parsha, Targum Yonison ben Uziel says on Leisigna Vleisirtzach, do not affiliate yourself with a Ganav. Do not affiliate yourself with a murderer. Because if you do, when you bring these people into your lives, your own family could be affected and become Ganavim and, and, uh, and Reitzchim and become murderers. You'd be very, we have to be very, very careful not to come close to such a thing. How do I know that along with the thorns, the cabbage gets ruined or gets. Yeah, it gets cut. Why do you fight with me? All of you have rebelled against me, says Hashem. Now, Yermia said this. Now, did every Yid rebel? There were, there, there were Nevi'im at the time, Rashi says. There were prophets at the time. But we were all part of the same problem because we were living with each other. Another source, how long will you refuse to keep my teachings and my commandments? Now, who was this said to? Who was this said to? Maisha and Aaron. Were they part of Klai Yisrael doing this? No. But their bunch of them packages them together with the rest of Klai Yisrael. I want to tell you something. This is a lesson both in how careful we need to be to not affiliate ourselves with things that are wrong, but at the same time, the beauty of Moshe and Aaron, they knew this, but they put themselves amongst Kal Yisrael. They were, they were the leaders. They were trying their best to have a, a, a strong impact. They were trying their best to have a strong impact. Moshe, you know, it, 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 their Ben Shalom put them together with all this though. When the brothers came down to Mitzrayim, so Yosef took five of the brothers in front of Pare. This is after everything was revealed. They came down. Man and Who are the five brothers that Yosef sent in front of Pare? This is when the he after he revealed himself to them, and and Yaakov came down with the brothers. So Yosef is having his family meet Pare, and he took five brothers to meet Pare. Which five? He took which, which the five whose names are said twice in Devarim before Maishu Rabbeinu passed away. Okay. Um, what, why, do, why did he say these twice? So before Maishu passed away, he, he mentioned five Shvatim twice. 
because they were weak. They were weaker than the others. So he's giving strength to that name. So which means, which five did Yosef put in front of Paro? The five that weren't so physically impressive. Yehuda Nami Echbal Mechvel says the Gemara, Yehuda's name is listed twice, so we know Yehuda was quite physically strong. Yehuda's name is repeated for a different reason, not to give him strength, but rather, Why is he Reuben's going to live and not die, and his men are going to be counted, and this is Yehuda? What's that expression, Yehuda, next to Reuben? While B'nai Yisrael were traveling in the desert, the bones of Yehuda were rolling around inside his coffin. Now, this was not so respectable. Apparently, the bodies of the other brothers remained intact, but clearly, as they were carrying the, the coffin of, remember, they took the coffins of all the tribes with them, Adam and Zion, they were carrying the Yehuda's coffin, they could hear his bones rolling around. So Maisha Benu realized there's something about Yehuda and uh, that his, uh, his skeleton detached that needed some sort of merit to be mentioned. So Maisha Davin for Yehuda. Master of the world. How Ruvain know how to confess what he did wrong by the beds? It's Yehuda. It was Yehuda. So Yehuda was a, a teacher of good midas. Miyad Shem Hashem Kol Yehuda. Miyad Hashem listened to the voice of Yehuda. Al Ivari L'Shafa, and his Ivarim, his limbs went back into their Shafa, into their um, into their spots, okay, into their uh, joints. But even though his body came back together, he wasn't fully allowed back into the yeshiva of the heavens. You should bring him into his people. Yehuda's now body was now intact and he was allowed into the center of the yeshiva. But he didn't, he didn't have the schos, the merit of fully understanding the Torah that was being spoken in Gan Eden. had to get involved in the Shaklavataria, the back and forth, the debates that would take place in the yeshiva. May his hands be able to fight in Torah. How do yeshiva guys fight in Torah? With their hands. Yeah. They, they, that's the joke. How do you keep your yeshiva guy quiet? You tie his hands behind his back. Can't talk. Whoa. Say, hey, hey, talk about your hands. Doesn't work. Right? So, uh, your hands need to be involved in, your hands need to be involved in but he couldn't get involved in psakalacha. The eitzah mitzvah You should help him against those who are contending and learning against him. This is why the Pasuk of Reuben and the Pasuk of Yehuda are side by side. Where does it come from that the poor get poorer? What's the source? This is incredible. You could say, what do you mean? It's logic. Everything is sourced in Torah. If we find the source in Torah, that means it's reality. If you don't find the source in Torah, it's not in reality. Why do people say poverty follows those who are poor? Amalei says to him, "The time we learned in Mishnah Shirim, Mevia Bikurim, Beklasa Shalzav, Veshalkasaf. We know when it came to the first fruits of the seven species in Israel, you're obligated to bring the uh, the you're obligated to bring it as Bikurim to the base Hamikdash. Now the rich people would bring it in gold and silver baskets, and the Kohanim would take it and give back the gold and silver baskets. Vaniim, the Salanitzram Sharavakufa, Vaniim would bring it in in uh, baskets full of peels." That they put together, and the Kahanim would hold on 
to those baskets. Okay? So you see that the, the, they built the basket, the poor people, and the basement is holding on to the basket. Alright? Now, the reason why we held on to it is because even the baskets were considered a Vaidas Hashem. Right? And we didn't want it to be embarrassing for the poor people. Up in the Maisa, you see that the, you know, the rich people had something of value and, and they got it back. But the poor people, we held on to their baskets. Omar Lehi said to him, if that's going to be your source, I'm learning it out from there, but no, I'm learning it out from here. Top of Amr Beis. The Metzaira calls out that he is Tame, which means not only is he Tame, he also has to let everybody know he's Tame, which means once you're, it's very hard, once you get on the path of destruction, very often that comes to follow. A person should wake up early in the morning, in the summer, because it gets hot midday, and in the winter, because you should wake up because of the cold. And therefore, what? What, what type of cold? Make sure to get uh, food into your body. It'll give you nutrients, and then I'll give you protection. So make sure to wake up early in the morning and get a good breakfast. Ramayinchi, and people say, Shisin Ruhute, Rohot, Vaymata, the Gavad, the Mitzach, Karach. Incredible Gemara. Get ready for this. For us Americans who don't know how to sit down to three meals a day, says the Gemara. People say, if you have 60 people running, they will not catch the one guy who had a good breakfast. You, you, you make yourself, uh, you, you, uh, you ensure that your breakfast is a, a solid meal. And you see, it's, it's very strange that in, a, in American society that we're in, the United States, very often the largest meal is dinner. That's what I find. Like the main meal is dinner. That seems to be incorrect. Why are you eating dinner before you go to sleep? Why, why are you eating the largest meal before you're resting? Food is fuel to have energy. You don't need energy to rest. So in other societies, their biggest meals usually are in late morning. Late morning, whether it's a big breakfast, whether it's a, you know early lunch, they, they sit down to a meal. That's when people have, have big meals. And dinner is lighter. Dinner is lighter. Says the Gemara here, the way it's supposed to be is food is fuel and you have a good breakfast. So how do I know that? If it says there shouldn't be hunger or thirst, the heat and the sun should not bother them. Your source is from there. I have an additional source. If you do that, you'll be blessed with your bread and your water. Bread and salt, water, but once uh, and then after that it says if you have if you eat a, a solid meal illness will be removed from within your midst the time learned to the machla what is this illness zumara it's referring to the gallbladder okay um, uh, gallbladder has uh, what to do with the not the di- digestive system what's the system that uh, that gives off uh, urine and excrement. Bile, bile. Yeah, there's so there's a simpler word that I probably learned in tenth grade. <laughs> bile. Bile, you said. B-I-L-E. B-I-L-E, Okay. So it helps move the uh, uh, move the system along. There's eighty-three different illnesses that can happen. Uh, if the gallbladder is not functioning properly. And the word machla is gematria of 83. The kulan and all these illnesses, if you have a strong 
breakfast with good nutrients and bread and, and, and liquid, that can help against these illnesses. Where does it come from? If your friend calls you a donkey, you should take your donkey, uh, take, a don- take the saddle of your donkey and put it on your back. Okay. What does this mean? Says Rashi, incredible. Mamish, mamish, incredible. Foundational, simple, but we need to be reminded. If your friend calls you a loser, stay quiet and walk away. If your friend calls you a donkey, take the saddle, which means, okay, fine, I'm a donkey. And put on your back. And Zehu, it's not worth a fight. Not worth a fight. Okay, like we've quoted from Rav Gershon Ribner, and we know this in our own lives, anybody who's been alive, the bigger bardas always loses to the smaller bardas. The one with the bigger brain will always lose an argument to the smaller brain. A person who's a fool, a person who's a smaller brain will fight about anything. Because they don't think big. They're thinking now. And a person with a bigger brain in any relationship, the bigger bardas will say, fine. Bye. Have a nice day. I appreciate your words. And you walk away. And you lose the argument. You know why? Because it ain't worth it. Not worth it. I got a life to live. I'm not getting caught up in this. Sorry. So therefore, what happens? One of the follies of the world and the way that it should be, if somebody calls you a donkey... Take the saddle, put it on your back, say you're a donkey, and leave. That's it. Don't turn this into a fight. It's not worth it. He says, where does this come from? This is a truism. So where does it come from? The Malach said, Hagar, the maidservant of Sarai, where are you coming from? Where are you going? I'm leaving... Uh, I'm, um, I'm leaving from Sarah, my mistress. This is an incredible message in Derech Eretz. Hagar overstepped her boundaries and had to be sent away. But even after she left, the Malach comes to her and he says, what's going on? And Hagar says about Sarai, she's my master. Still call Sarai her master. If you know that you have a weakness, if you know yet there's a problem, make sure that you're the first one to acknowledge it. Okay? Make sure the first one to acknowledge it. Eliezer says, I'm the Ebed of Avram. He didn't, wasn't out there saying, I'm a big kahuna in my own right. Eliezer was a righteous person. He called himself Ebed Avram. This is, my, this is the truth that I have. A duck bends down as it walks. A duck goes like this. It bends down, but its head is up. Its head is up. Yeah, we were, uh, we were, uh, what's it called? Boobopping. Well, there's like a type of music. Like you, you bounce your head to. Yeah, we, were, we were like having some sort of beat song at the Shabbos table. So all of us were like bobbing our heads. I told them we should buy chickens to teach us how to dance. 
Right? We're all we're all sitting around the table, like with our heads, like just going like this. The way that a chicken walks, its head is down, but its eyes are up. It's always looking ahead. So people say that's an expression of people. Where does it come from? Amar um, When Davra Melech was dealing with uh, Avigail, she said to David, "Hashem should deal well with you, but remember me." Which she knew that her husband had done something wrong. She's still seeing the future and seeing, even though there's going to be ramifications right now for her, she has to peer out into the future. Why do ducks always look ahead, even though their heads are down? Because they got to make sure that they have food somewhere else as well. So you, you always need to be, even though you, you're looking down for the now, you can't just focus on the now. You need to be peering out into the future. Okay, let's do two more. Two more uh, conversations. And even though we're not done the daf yet, we'll hold it here. There's 60 um, how do you call this? Krechts. When something's bothering you, ah, that get to the teeth of people, that he hears the sound, but he doesn't eat himself. Okay. So what does this mean? There are 60 um, tsaras that hit the tooth of a person who hears his friend eating, but doesn't eat. What does this mean? How do we know, what's the source where the Torah shows me that being excluded from something that's going on is very painful? It's a real human emotion, it's a true emotion, we should not run away from it. Exclusion, being exclu- feeling excluded from something is a very painful thing. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? It was told to Dovra Melech that for me, Tzadok, Binyahu, and Shlomo were not invited. They were left out. Okay. So it seems that he was complaining that he wasn't invited to the party of Adani Yahu. Then Yahu made a party and he was saying, you know, I wasn't invited. It was hurtful. That's a good source. But I'll give you another source. When Sarah came, when Rivka came to see Yitzchak, Isaac, right? When Sarah came, when Rivka came to see Yitzchak, so Yitzchak brought Rivka into his mother's tent. And she was to him a wife. He loved her. And Yitzchak was consoled after his mother. After that, after Avra married Rivka, I'm sorry, after Yitzchak married Rivka, Avram remarried. He saw that his wife was, his son was happy with a wife, and that drove Avraham to take Ketura back as a wife. Some say was Hagar. That wine belongs to a master, but the uh, the gratitude goes to the person who uh, to the person who gave it. Okay, which means like this: means like this. My wife makes all the food in the house, but who gets the thank you? The one who brought it to the table. Okay. Where does it come from? He says, You should put your hand upon him, say, Listen, and it says, 
Yeshua was respected because Maisha Beno leaned on him, but Yishmoi loved Kobane Yisrael, and therefore all of Bnei Yisrael relied on him. So the Pasuk gives, you know, gives the uh, credit to Maisha Rabbeinu, but Yeshua was the one who was leading Klai Yisrael after Maisha Beno passed away. But it says, why did everybody listen to Yeshua? Because it was Maisha Rabbeinu's Talmud. What about Yeshua himself? That seems it wasn't enough. It was the one who gave it, the one who gave it over to Klai Yisrael that they saw that, uh, that caused them to uh, to listen to Maisha. Okay, we're going to hold it here. We didn't fully finish today's daf. We'll pick up from here tomorrow evening. We're going to call Daf Yaimi for 7 p.m. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.